Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonathan Alcade, and this is Practice Success Podcast. Um, today, we're going to talk about, I'm just going to give you a, a quick agenda of what we're going to do today. Today, we're going to talk about how to handle objection. We're going to talk about sales. You know, as a new entrepreneur, if you know how to sell, you always have money. So today, we're going to have a really good guest. He's been at in his career for over 25 years. And when it comes to sell, this guy is one of the best. And he's an author, he's a speaker, and he's a sales master. So today it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm going to bring him in. And, you know, Mitch Taylor is an author, speaker, and a trainer. Mitch Taylor is an international known sales tra trainer for event industry and has impacted thousands over the course of 25 years plus career through interactive workshop instruction, sales mentoring, and educational podcast and personal coaching. Mitch is an author of the sales for event pros and host of the webcast live at 755 for the past three years. And if you type in live at 755 on Facebook, hashtag live 755, you're going to see him. He's been doing it for a very long time. And when he's not training or writing, Mitch can be found enjoying time with his wife and children. And you guys, and I I'm really excited for this. And, and so let help me bring and bring and welcome mitch mitch taylor what's up man hey man <laughs> hey thank you for i know this is like um in a hurry and we, we i booked you like yesterday and i was like man i need someone who's really good at sales maybe um you know someone who could come into the show because someone canceled and i was like okay well mitch thank you for coming on to the show how are you man I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You, you couldn't find anyone better than so you got me. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want I wanted you here. You've been doing this for a very long time. But um, take us back real quick. Um, what have you? How what have you been doing in your career? Oh no, you've been doing your career for over 25 years, right? Yeah. You know, what triggered you to take on this journey of entrepreneurs? Is there like epiphany or some kind? You know, I, I was working in the Metro Detroit market for seven years, and really what triggered it was the fact that my wife and I were having a child, and we had to make a choice. Do we want to raise our family in Metro Detroit, or do we want to raise our family in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or somewhere else, uh, where it's a little more small town, if you will, more family vibe? I'm from a small town in Maine originally, the state of Maine, uh, 450 people, <laughs> small. Wow. <That's> <laughs> so, I mean, we wanted our kids to grow up in a small town, uh, that small town vibe that we grew up in ourselves as, as a husband and a wife, uh, well, not as kids, you know what I mean? But we were husband and wife now. So uh, we uh, made the choice to move to the upper peninsula of Michigan. I moved to a town where no one knew my name at all and now it's funny we go out and my wife and i'll go out and she's from here originally and we'll go out and have dinner and like three people stop me and say hello or something and she's like who's that <laughs> but she's from here you know <laughs> uh, so that's kind of was the start was having a kid and, and wanted to raise our children in a different environment so i ventured out on my own from the company i was at in method detroit and started my own thing up here wow 
And when you started your own thing, um, what are some of the challenges you guys faced when you guys start, started your own thing? You know, everything. Um, it's funny you asked that question because I really honed in on a few of the challenges. I think one of the challenges, of course, when you're starting out, you're bootstrapping. Mm -hmm. you know, bootstrapping is more about like, what can I do to get ahead and not cost a lot of money, you know, because you don't have a lot of money when you're starting out, like right. without the initial outlay for the investment of equipment or training materials or, you know, CRM or whatever it is that you're trying to do in business, you put that initial outlay out. So now you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta bootstrap my way up here to figure out like, okay, what am, how am I gonna make this work? So some of the initial things I think for me were more about, you know, really just scrapping and getting to know the people in the area. Networking was a big deal, you know, so be able to get out in front of uh, people that could hire me as well as people that could refer me was a really big deal. Mm. Uh, that's, that's one of the first steps that really doesn't have to cost a lot of money, you know, that people can do when they're when they're first getting started. Uh, another thing, you know, capital is always something you want to make sure you have some money set aside and saved. Uh, money is one of those biggest challenges I find people have. Uh, I'm actually working on a course right now to help people overcome the seven hurdles they face in business. And so I'm really excited about that one and that will launch here soon. So, wow, that's going to be awesome. I mean, if you know the, the hurdle and everything that's going to block you and then you could just overcome those things. I mean, it, it, things will be better for you. Right. Um, yeah. As a new entrepreneur, um, how do you know? How do you overcome the temptation of like doing it everything by yourself? I mean, you're broke, but you're going to do it. But how do you overcome that? Because delegation can sometimes really help you out. Jonathan, you nailed the word, my friend, delegation. Uh, I think sometimes the biggest struggle with new entrepreneurs is knowing what their biggest struggle is. <laughs> so it's saying self-awareness? Like, woo, 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 you know, all over the place, trying to manage all the balls that they got in the air to keep things going, and they can't figure it out. So you have to pinpoint... What is the problem? And sometimes it's staring them directly back in the face in the mirror. <laughs> hey, tell me, well, like, what? When did you start delegating, and what did you allocate the some task before when you got started? It's a great question. Um, for, for a while there, it was just me. I was a solopreneur, mm -hmm. uh, bootstrapping, getting my way up. And it wasn't until I met um, a mentor, now a, a really good friend of mine, and I made a comment to him in a group on Facebook. And he said, I said, no one else can do what I do. And he said, that's BS. Not only can you train someone else to do what you do, they'll probably do it better than you. Oh, interesting. And, and which was absolutely the truth. And what I needed to hear at that moment and he was right so that led me down a path of hiring and training talent and that was when i really started 
delegating a little more. Now, I'm a very strong personality. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how much you know about personalities. And if, if, if some of the people watching this, especially those in my Sales for Event Pros group on Facebook, and if you're in the event space, we'd love to have you join the group. But um, you know, if you, uh, if you follow me at all, you know I've worked with a personality trainer for years. So I know a little bit about personalities as well. Uh, so I'm a very strong personality. So sometimes I myself, not sometimes, probably most of the time, uh, I could be a little hard-headed uh, in regards to de- delegating. Uh, another friend of mine who has a quote, which I love this quote. Uh, this comes from my friend, Matt Raticelli, who is a coach himself in his own right. Uh, Matt's quote is, decline, delegate, do. Mm. Which to me is beautiful. <laughs> right? It's, I think it's perfect. <laughs> because you have, to, you have to choose to decline. So say yes or no first. Yes. Then you choose to delegate to someone else mm-hmm. or you're going to tackle it yourself. And before, when you delegate to someone else, you're going to make a decision. Who is the best person to truly handle this in your company? Mm. You know, so that's, that's essentially Matt's process philosophy, if you will. Uh, and something I absolutely agree with, you know, so it's one of those things that you want to make sure you really get nailed down in regards to the delegation side of things. Uh, I call it overcoming overwhelm is what I call it for uh, those entrepreneurs just getting started because you are, you are overcoming overwhelm. And if there's ever been a year we've had overwhelm, it's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) This is just so much. There's a lot. Right? I say 2020. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of people are struggling. That's why it's like a lot, a lot, a lot of, um, a, a lot. A lot of struggles, but anyways, we're we're in sales talk, and I wanna focus this to like sales training, how to handle sure. objection, right? Yeah. Um, t- take me back. What um, what's your first sales career? Uh, career career um, <sighs> occupation, and when did you get started with that? Oh man, um, it's funny you bring this up because uh about five years ago one of my first initial sales mentors passed away Mm. and that memory popped up on facebook for me just a couple days ago and i was so you when you say that it just brought me back to one of those moments i described in that thread honoring his life and I was in radio sales i did i did radio sales back in maine at a station 102.1 wgui and the owner and I, which again, back then, small, small town radio station, still a 50,000 uh, 50, watt radio station. But um, he and I were in his, I don't know, Camaro, whatever the hell he was he's driving a Camaro at the time. I don't know what year it was. And we literally hit a corner, Dead Man's Curve in, you know, Maine and Ripley, Maine, my hometown. And we hit it at, I don't know what speed. And it was insane. But I remember going on those sales calls with him. And he was a speedster. He was a daredevil. He was a guy that was just going for it, you know? And that's what you have to be as an entrepreneur. That's part of what Dan taught me. Mm. And Priestley was his name and his wife, Jocelyn. Uh, they were wonderful people. And I look back at how young they were when they bought the radio station now, as, as I'm older than what they were <laughs> when they bought the radio station now. And, uh, you know, he taught me a lot of perseverance in sales. And, you know, he basically, you know, walked me through 
darkening doors, going up to the business owner, talking about their budget in regards to what they have for a radio advertising campaign or advertising budget, what our station could do for them, you know, who our target audience was, is that a proper fit for that client? What promotion do they have that wants to get pushed for that? What are they seeing down the road that they might want to push? You know, those kind of things. Uh, and, and so Dan taught me perseverance. Uh, he taught me to live life to the fullest, um, even almost getting killed. And um, uh, Dan was a shrewd, shrewd businessman uh, mm. as well. And uh, that's it's a tribute to who he, who he was and how he lived his life. Wow. So radio sales. That's what I did first with radio sales. Oh, okay. Radio sales. And you started with that. How many mentors do you have or currently have? Because I think this is important for someone who are new. Like you have a sales mentor, a business mentor, but you could have a lot of mentors if it's up to you, whatever it is that you can yeah. do. But I want to ask you, Mitch, like how many mentors do you have? I have several mentors. Um, I don't know if I could put a, a specific number on it. I mean, I've had different mentors throughout my life, of course. Your parents are your first mentors, I think, you know, when you grow up and, and, you know, what they teach you and the values that are instilled in you as a person. And then moving on from that, Dan Priestley was clearly one of my uh, first mentors in regards to the business world. Uh, after that, I would dare say, you know, I had a couple mentors when I worked for Carnival Cruise Lines uh, on board ship. And after that, it really was when I got deeper into the sales world and sales training, uh, Jeffrey Ginnimer was one of my mentors and a gentleman that I had a chance to meet, uh, connect with at one of his speaking engagements. And then he offered a designation online, which I jumped through the hoop and took and ran the, ran the, you know, took the ball and ran with it. Mm -hmm. Did that for several years, writing articles for different industry publications. And then after that, it was an opportunity to actually work with Jeffrey himself and be trained by Jeffrey himself and become a Gittimer certified advisor. And I did that for a couple of years. And so I've got a pretty vast, extensive knowledge of sales training and I'm able to help young entrepreneurs or old, doesn't matter the age, but entrepreneurs that are just getting started, you know, and, and how do you overcome some of those hurdles with connecting with a client? Uh, I call it, you know, serving heart first. Mm. Uh, and you have to serve heart first. You know, you have to care for the other individual and want to help solve their problem. That's all sales is. All sales is, is find a need and fill it. Oh, man. That's just, that's just like the, the, the most simplest form of sales, right? Find it, a need and sell it. And, and that person kind of still not, don't have to want it. You only have to know is kind of want it, right? And then like convey that with talking and you know overcoming objections and if you if you're a salesperson and you could handle any kind of situation including sales and objection of that person you're going to make some sales yeah, it's going to be good but um let, Mitch um, tell me some examples of handling some some sales objection give me one or two like for so that most entrepreneurs could cuz they they will sell and they have to they get on the phone um when i got started i get on the phone i was selling a course for 2k and 5k and and being on the phone and selling those high ticket courses 
it, it was you have to handle all kind of objection when you get to the money part and you know mitch mitch you probably could get into this and how to handle those kind of money or kind any kind of injection at the end of the the sales because it is it's tough especially when you're about to get that money so let, let's talk about the price based objection that's probably right. one that people have a lot and to me there's there's four objections i'll the four objections are in my book sales for event pros uh but the four objections are need source time uh and, and uh <laughs> sorry Oh my gosh, need, okay. I need more coffee this morning. Uh, source, price, time, and uh, and need. Sorry, any more coffee this morning, clearly. <laughs> it's early, it's uh, earlier there. Early for you, it's earlier for you than it is for me. Uh, need, price, source, time, that's your four objections. So let's talk about the price objection. Uh, most people get it's too much. It's to, you right. have too much money, right? Uh, and so the option, the, the, what you have to do here is eliminate the other three objections first. So when you get to that part of the sales conversation, and I find this to be true in a lot of things, people don't handle the transition properly. Mm. You have to have the transition and you have to get some yeses throughout your process first in your conversation with your client, potential client. You have to get some yeses. Like, what do you guys think about all this we talked about? You know, does this sound good to you? What do you think about everything we've discussed so far? You're just conversational ways to make sure that, yes, we're do this sounds good. We're moving forward. Yep. Okay, so if I can make this affordable for you, does it sound like it's a match? <laughs> that's that's actually really good <laughs> you know and and because you've already got a yes that they're moving that yes this all sounds good to them right right so if you can eliminate the product portion if yes if money was no object i'd hire you then great so you have to also know here's the other thing that i don't think people think about a lot you have to know in your heart of hearts if you're a right fit for the client like you have to be able to know that it's a right fit because you don't just want to push a, a round peg in a square hole, right? Mm -hmm. not be happy in the long run. It's not going to lead to repeat sales or repeat referrals. Right. It's going to be a bad sales. Most people, most people, when they're trying to play sales, they they look for the short game, not the long game. Mm. And you have to look for the long game, in my opinion. That's uh, true. You have to look for the long game. So, how do you, you know, overcome that price objection? Is too much money. If you eliminated other three first, here's how to handle it. You build value again with what you sold. You create desire. And many people don't paint the picture of not just the client using your product or service, but what is their outcome going to be down the road using your product or service? Right. And stop just, what does this look like with you using our product? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta paint that picture, right? Go further, like right. go further. It, it, it's deeper down the road. What's the outcome? Your income is determined by your client's outcome. Your right. income is determined by your client's outcome. You want more income? Create more outcome. <laughs> we call uh, we call those uh, future pacing, where the the client is already have the product that you're selling, so that he in his head could see that hey, this product if I have it now, it's actually gonna benefit me, and 
um, if I have it now, my life will be better. So basically, um, what the clients wanted is just a better version of himself. He's buying something that is a better version of himself. For yeah. example, for for us, for like us, our be better version of ourselves is like, oh, I want that new car. And, you know, sometimes you can't afford it, but because of you, you see yourself driving that car, you see yourself better, um, better in that car. So you're like, okay, well, you're going to find a way to afford that, that, that car pretty much. Yeah, so that's, that's building value. That's exactly yes. what that is. It goes back to building value. <laughs> and then make it affordable. Break it down to the ridiculous. Like, you know, what's the cost differential between yourself and, or your product and the other competing product mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then go back to well if another another way to do this too is if both of our products or services were the exact same price which one would you choose oh interesting yeah well, choose yours. okay <laughs> then if they say they choose yours ask them why and and, and then they're trying to sell themselves yours is worth more than the other one <laughs> <laughs> all right so people don't get is to this is, it takes practice, all right? It takes a lot of practice. And then at the beginning, if you're just starting out, of course, it's uncomfortable. You don't, sometimes you don't know what to say. It's pretty much, it's how you prepare to that sales call. Like, you do you have all your objection? Because just like Mitch said, he's got four, but it, it's not more than 10 of the objection. And you, you have to know how to handle those things because if you don't handle those objections, you will not make sales. And right. and if you don't ha handle it the way um, that you're adding value or making the, the the customer realize your value, oh, there's another thing. How do you how do you convey your value to the uh, potential customer, Mitch? And I think that's one of the things that you have. So conveying value to potential customers is basically just walking them through. You know, first off, find out what they need. You know, what do they need? What are they looking for? And then find out: Are you a right fit for that need? If you're a right fit for that need, then let's move forward. Maybe you're not a right fit, you know, and then find someone you can refer uh, or a product you can refer. And then, you know, but in regards to, to, you know, building value and conveying value, really work on, okay, this is what they want. Now go ahead in and pick a story, story sell, pick a story of another client who had a similar problem. Uh-huh clients coming to you with and how you solve that for them. Ask them what they think after you explain how you solved it for them. Then once you go into and lay out, you know, what you can do for them, follow up with a video or written testimonial from that same client showing how <laughs> happy they were with your services. You're just stacking all those values and making the client realize, Hey, it's going to be a lot of value here. That's your favor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah, man, I love sales. I, I, I really do. It's like one of the, the most fundamental thing that entrepreneurs needs to actually understand is to actually make those, uh, make sales calls, handle objections. And, you know, you're, you're going to be a lot of further ahead if you could do those things. So, um, that sales for pros, Event froze. Yeah, that's gonna yes. be good. I've, I've probably read like at least five books in sales. Good. And <laughs> I did a lot of a lot of calls, uh, guys. If you haven't done more than a hundred calls, 
um, you you gotta really need to step it up because it's gonna take more than a hundred calls, and yeah. you know, and it, this is just practice and practice and practice. Um, for you, Mitch, um, what do you do in um? You know, we are living in a pandemic, and then you know, it's been really tough for especially people in your industry. Um, you know. If you um, you are in the event industry, what do you advise for people to like do right now since the pandemic? How could, how can they make sales? How can you make sales in the event pandemic industry? Well, mm -hmm. realize that people are always going to have an event. They're going to get married. They're going to have something they want to celebrate. Uh -huh. The difference in the pandemic is how they're celebrating <laughs> now many people have chosen to pivot i really don't like that word uh but many people have chosen to pivot i have a friend of mine who's gone to uh, a yard card company and i feel like the the general reaction originally when the pandemic first first hit people made two choices they turtled up and they started just like grabbing resources and everything around them and just kind of you know hoarded the toilet paper and hoarded all their money and all this all this stuff right it's because it's true they were fighting hashtag real talk that's, that's what happened man right uh, and so that's what people were doing or they were doing the other human response you know we talked about human response it's either fight or flight right it's right. fight or flight when you're when you're faced with a tough situation it's fight or flight and so some people chose to hoard and then fight another day and some people chose to just get out either one i think is a fine decision it's a personal decision of what to do but if you are going to help move things forward you can choose to how to make sales in a pandemic is to just get resources learned and live to fight another day or you can adapt i know some people have gone to micro events micro events oh interesting so micro events like a micro wedding like i'm just going to show up and do a one hour ceremony and a dinner and that's it and they may adjust price accordingly whether that's a photographer whether that's a you know florist can't really change a whole lot uh because they're dealing with number of people obviously with bridesmaids and and grows on boutonnieres and flowers. My mom was a florist, so uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I lived that life when I was growing up. Uh, so there's lots of things that people can choose to adapt to, and it just depends on how they want to pivot. <laughs> no, you have to. You have to. So everyone, it's very true. If you're an entrepreneur and you're in the event industry, it's either there's like that, that wall, because of the pandemic it's either you go around the hop 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 to, to get another side you do what you gotta do and yeah. just like mitch said there is always gonna be an event and then you just figure out how are they gonna have that event because um maybe they're wearing masks or there's social distancing but it, it can happen it can happen and no don't don't let that that one that one thing I know it's a huge thing, but don't let it stop you from making the, the you know providing for your family and all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. so, Mitch, we're almost at the end over here, right? And so I wanna I wanna bring it back to a sales question before sure. before be, be, before I go. 
Um, my last question is like, um, what would you do if you if you're in the sales sales um, industry and, and you're making phone calls? Um, how can you make the 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 client and um, I know you're stacking this value, right? And you're like, okay, well, you're almost on the, the end of the call. And so the, the, the client says, let me think about it. How do you, how, I, I wanna, cause that, that's like the best. And that's like one of the, the objection of, hey, I, I don't wanna pay, I don't wanna, uh, you, I don't wanna pay your services right now or things like that. And how do you handle that objection? That's just, that, that, yeah, that's because in my experience, that's like the hardest objection for me to handle. And for you, Mitch, you've been doing that for tw over 25 years. So like, how do you, how do you handle, let me think about it. Let me think about it is one of the most uh, bandied about objections in the, in the space, if you will. Mm -hmm. The key is you want to find out what do they need to think about? Hmm. Like, <laughs> Well, again, you're, you've gone, if you've gone through the process properly and you've gone through and you've, and you've learned about what they are, what they're looking for, who they are, how you can solve the problem they're at, they're, they have in their life right now, and you present a solution that's going to work, you have to dig deeper than the surface-based BS objection of, I need to think about it. And I'm not saying you have to do it right in that call maybe you do maybe you don't some people truly are going to be more introspective and want to think about it every right. personality is wired differently so sometimes you have to respect that space but if you have if you have gone through all the process and you believe in your heart of hearts that you are a right fit for that person and you have Thank the product you. or service that's going to you know fit their needs you've earned the right to ask for the sale. Never think you should you, you should never leave a, a sales conversation and not ask for the business if you believe in your heart of hearts you're a right fit. You always have to ask for the sale. Again, if you're a right fit. I, that's I think that's like uh, you put it in um, the best. It's because if you're if you believe in your product and that your product is the the product that Hey, this person needs that he's gonna make him make move forward um, to his career or whatever it is. You you could push a little bit more, right? You can you could like oh, that's like a little push. You could, dude, this is the product that gonna help you, and you that those objection can be can be um, overcome by just knowing the product that you have that it's gonna help and believing in it a hundred percent. I'll find out what the true objection is. It might be affordability. It might, well, I, I, you know, I wanted to. I can't come up with that that much money right now. Right. It always comes to the money part. Well, it, so do you have a free trial? <laughs> it's very true. Hey, try my product and come back to us. If you don't like it, just hey, no harm done. Yeah. <laughs> if you have an opportunity for a free trial, give them a free trial. They're gonna say no to free you know, and then be able to follow up and make sure your product that you're giving them for free is killer. Right. Leave with Absolutely. a contract, but no obligation. <laughs> yes. So there, there's lots of ways to overcome that objection. So 
Uh, I love sales. And again, Mitch, you, you've you been awesome um, teaching me how to do sales. Anyways, um, we are at the end, Mitch. And um, now it's over. I, I want you back because there's a lot more I want to talk to you about, especially in the event industry, especially now that we're in pandemic because people need help, especially at, the, at that kind of um, industry. So anyways, Mitch, where can we find you and how good can we get in contact with you? You can find me um, pretty much anywhere on social at Mitch Taylor on Twitter at Mitch Taylor 23 on Insta. Uh, you can Mitch Taylor.net is probably the home base. You can find me at is Mitch Taylor.net. Okay. Awesome. You guys hear that. Okay. One more thing. Um, can you give us a preview of the seven hurdles course coming soon? What is that? Yeah. About? So the seven hurdles is how to overcome the seven hurdles we face in business. Uh, it's a course that's going to be launching later this quarter, uh, the final quarter of 2020, uh, to position yourself in a, for a great run in 2021. And I, I didn't even mean to rhyme that, but it just did. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the second hurdle you face in business, we're going to talk about overcoming your overwhelm. Uh, that is something that I think everyone struggles with, especially now in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is you're overwhelmed. There's so much going on. And I think the pandemic just exasperates that whole thing. Uh, so how do you feel like you don't have to do everything yourself? How can you truly get to the heart of what you need to focus on? Um, we'll talk about managing your time effectively. We're going to cover tracking measurables. Measure it. Definitely. How do you track your metrics in your business? Because if you're not tracking your metrics, you don't know. And especially when something like this hits, <laughs> you better know. Gotta know all your stuff. Oh, anyway, it is um, okay. So, who is this for, anyways? This is for entrepreneurs that are in their business right now, but they've got a few hurdles that they're struggling with. And I found there's specifically seven hurdles that most entrepreneurs struggle with in some way, shape, or form. And so that course will be launching a little bit later this year and everyone will be able to pick up and get a chance to take the course digitally on your own time. We're going to have some live video incorporation with it as well for this first launch of the course. Uh, so those that take advantage of the early adopter uh, will be able to join the live calls we're going to have for that as well. Amazing. I love it. And if anyone listening, if you want to learn from somebody, learn it from someone who's doing it. And he's been doing it for a very, very long time. So, I mean, Mitch, we're already in it for over 25 years. Someone who has experience has I mean, done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, Mitch, well, I got to let you go. For That's it. Guys, guys. Thanks, Jonathan. Bye.